friends, and welcome to season four of a Meaningful Mess podcast. I am so honored, so excited that you decided to listen, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. I'm your host, Andy McNair, and I am a wife, mom, author, digital innovation specialist, and passionate educator that believes in today's learners. I'm so glad that you found the podcast, and I can't wait to share manageable and meaningful ideas for you to utilize in your classroom and beyond. My hope is that the ideas and strategies shared each week will help you find meaning in your mess. After you listen, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and share the podcast with anyone that you think might find it helpful. You can also connect with me over on my website at andymcnair.com, on Twitter at McNairAN3, and on Facebook and Instagram at A Meaningful Mess. Thanks for being here today. Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to A Meaningful Mess Podcast. I am so glad that you're here, and I am looking forward to kicking off season four of the podcast. You know, it's been a crazy summer. I took a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast. I tend to do that when things get really busy, but lots of traveling, lots of being with teachers. It's been a really fun summer. And now as I kind of begin to think about the fall and, and you know, educators going back to the classroom, I was really starting to consider what do I want to kick the new season off with? What do I want to talk about? And as I was reflecting on the summer, there was this one conversation that just kept coming up, a conversation that I continually had with teachers and something that we've talked about. And I've learned so much. I always say I learned just as much being with teachers, I think, as they learned from me sharing. It's just always so fun to just talk about today's learners, who they are and what they need from the learning experience. And even with where we are in education right now and things being so different, I think there's so much value to us just coming together and saying the things out loud. Like, let's talk about what we're worried about. Let's talk about what's working, what's not working. I'm just a big fan of saying the hard things in education because I think it's through saying those difficult things and having those difficult conversations that real sustainable change is going to become the reality. Okay, so today, uh, as I was reflecting on that and thinking about that conversation, it's just this idea of looking at our learners beyond the label. When I reflect on my time in the classroom, I remember how many different labels each new class of learners brought to the table. I had gifted learners, I had dyslexic learners, some of my students were ADHD, ADD, twice exceptional, English language learners, I could go on and on. We all know that this is probably going to be the case this year as well. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time to address our perspective as educators and how detrimental it can be when we allow labels to determine our perspective. So I wanna say right out of the gate, I'm not suggesting that labels have to go completely away. I don't think they're necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I think labels oftentimes help us know what tools our students are going to need or what we're going to have to do as educators to help them be successful. But like I said, I think that it becomes a problem when our perspective is changed based on a student's label. And here's what I mean by that. The reality is when we find out that a learner is gifted, or I know that when I was in the classroom and, and I was you know, told that this student is gifted, oftentimes my perspective would shift and I would begin to focus on and notice that student's strengths. 
when I found out that a, a learner was a struggling learner um, or that they had different modifications or things that they needed, sometimes my perspective would shift and I would begin to focus and notice that student's weaknesses. And so I believe that as educators, it's so important that we begin this year with a strengths first mindset. And we're going to talk about what that means. And I'm going to give you a couple of practical ways to make that happen. But what I mean by that is that I believe that we should look at strengths before we acknowledge an attempt to address a student's weaknesses. I think so often it's tempting to think about what we need to fix or what they didn't do well. And you guys, you know, even at the beginning of the school year, it's so tempting to even go tell another teacher, like to look at their class list and be like, oh, okay, let me tell you where this kid struggles or what you're gonna have to fix. And I think by doing that, we set students up really for the teacher to have a preconceived notion that may or may not even be the reality this year. So I think rather than sharing where a student struggled or share where they were uh, didn't do things well, like why not look at a class list and say, hey, let me just tell you about every one of these kids' strengths. Let me tell you what they do well. Because the look, the, the weaknesses are going to show up soon enough, right? It's not like they're not going to come out. If they're still there, if it's something that a student struggles with, those things are going to show up soon enough. And so I think that without knowing a student's strengths, it's going to be really difficult to address their weaknesses. So we want to make sure that we have that strengths first mindset. But but as I began to kind of think about that and really wrestle with what does that look like and how do we do that? How do we intentionally find ways to look beyond the label and begin to see every one of our learners in a way that will lead to success and confidence? both in the classroom and beyond, because that's what we want, right? We want them to feel that feeling of, I can do these things, not just in the classroom, not just in this learning experience, but I can take it and use it beyond this. So I wanted to share just four ways that I think we can look beyond the label, right? How do we do this? What are some practical ways that we can make this happen? And number one is, I think it's important that we recognize and value both strengths and weaknesses. Um, not just say that they exist, but find value in those and help our students do that. So while I think it's important that we identify strengths first, there's also value in helping our learners recognize and address their weaknesses. I'm not saying that that's not important. I know so many learners now, and I think about some of the students that I had who were really working under the assumption that they didn't have any strengths or they don't have any weaknesses. The reality is that every learner has both. You're going to have students in your classroom that may never pass a worksheet or a standardized test, but those kids can go home and put a car back together or they can go home and speak three languages. So many of our learners have gifts that we will never see simply because we don't take the time to look beyond the school experience. I think the same is true for weaknesses. Many of our learners are amazing students. They've never made less than a 95 on any assignment. And quite frankly, they just know how to play the game really well. However, some of those learners have no idea how to collaborate or make their own decisions. These are those kids that come up to you and say, well, what do you want me to do? Or what do I have to do to get the A? It's important that while we want to identify and recognize strengths first, we don't want to forget how valuable it can be to understand our weaknesses and the role that our strengths play in addressing those weaknesses. 
So finding ways this year to help our learners identify their strengths and the strengths of their peers will give them the tools that they need to address those weaknesses. So I always like to talk about, hey, if we're going to say this, we also want to talk about a practical way to make it a reality. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast multiple times, but just in case you've forgotten, <laughs> one practical way that you can do this is to use Thrively at the beginning of the school year. So I'll make sure that I link to Thrively in the show notes, but encouraging every learner to take the strengths assessment within Thrively will help you and your students know their strengths, their interests, and what they aspire to be. I always say having that information in your back pocket is huge and it'll be beneficial all year long. It'll also provide a meaningful learning experience for the first few days of school. I think that's so much more valuable than like the word find or a crossword puzzle because it's going to give you a bigger return on your investment. If you're going to have them spend time doing it and you can turn around and utilize it all year long, I just think that's a good idea. So just some logistics here. The strengths assessment takes about 45 minutes to complete. I think it's perfect for grades three through 12. It, real, it will read the questions out loud for your learners. I would suggest allowing students to work on this for approximately 10 minutes every day. I don't think asking them to sit down and complete the whole thing in 45 minutes is a, is a great idea. <laughs> but spreading it over the course of a week and giving them 10 minutes every day to work on it, I feel like would be beneficial. So at the end of the week, you'll have that information that you need to know your students well and help them make connections to what is being learned. All right, so number one, recognize and value both strengths and weaknesses. So as we continue to think about looking beyond the label, I think the second thing we can really focus on is reinforcing the right things. So often we reinforce what our learners produce or the outcome of a graded assignment or test I think that reinforcing the life-ready skills that it requires to earn a good grade, follow through with a commitment to an assignment, or even overcome frustration when the outcome is less than what our learners desire is even more important, right? Like we can, we can, rein, we can reinforce that really good grade, but there was something that they had to do to get that really good grade. You see, the, a gifted learner oftentimes hears the words, you are so smart. The more they begin to hear that comment, the more they begin to doubt themselves or even feel like a disappointment when they don't feel smart. They begin to think it's who they are. When smart becomes your identity, there's no room for something less than that, for anything less than that. And so I think the same is true for our learners who hear the opposite message. If we continuously focus on their weaknesses or their flaws, they're going to begin to think that they can't move beyond those difficulties to accomplish whatever it is that they want to achieve. So this idea of reinforcing the right things, I think is just I think it's just a matter of choosing our words carefully. So using phrases like, I really like the way that you collaborated with so-and-so to learn more about this topic, or I saw how you took time to reflect on what you did well and didn't do well today, and I just couldn't be any prouder of you. I think hearing something like that can really give them insight into, you know what, it's not a matter of I'm just so smart. Or it's not a matter of I just got an A today. There was something I did in order for that to happen. Maybe we say something like, I realize that you made the decision to choose the more difficult assignment on the choice board today. I'm so excited that you were willing to step outside of your comfort zone to challenge yourself. 
So we're focusing on those skills that they needed in order for that to be the reality. Do you see the difference in these statements? Like, does that make sense? Hopefully. So I love this idea. And I think reinforcing the right things might be what many of our students need to see beyond their labels and into who they really are and what they need to get the most out of any learning experience. And that's what we want, right? When we're designing these learning experiences for our students, we want them to leave an impression. We want them to walk away with the skills that they need, not only to do well on the standardized test, not only to pass the benchmark, but really to be able to take that beyond the walls of the classroom and do something with it. So I think this idea of reinforcing the right things gives us an ability to speak to our students in a way that helps them see beyond their label and realize this is so this is about so much more than just me getting a good grade or it's about so much more than me just not understanding this concept it's about what i'm going to do as a result of that or what i did in order for that to happen all right so number two reinforce the right things number three this is a hard one you guys encouraging productive struggle. If you're like me, watching my students struggle was super difficult. I just, I don't like it one bit. I'm the same way with my own personal kids. Watching them struggle is hard. I often wanted to, and I still wanna save the day or at least save them in that moment. <laughs> As an educator, I felt like it was my job to keep my students from struggling. I don't know if you've ever been there, but every once in a while, I just felt like, you know, if they're struggling, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It wasn't until I began to realize that productive struggle actually provided my students with the skills that they would need not only to survive in the classroom, but also, I've said this so often in this podcast, beyond the walls of the classroom. So I began to make productive struggle a priority. I started to see that, you know what, they can either do this now with their support system or they're, it's obviously going to be part of their life moving forward. So just giving them an opportunity to experience it and move beyond it, I feel like is powerful and it's almost part of our job as educators, I think. So when I did, I wanna be super honest, it was difficult for me, it was difficult for my students and it was difficult for the parents of my students. The problem is we often consider struggle a sign of weakness or inability to move forward. And, and I just, I think nothing could be further from the truth. Instead, struggle makes us stronger and helps us realize our ability to do hard things. Our learners can often, often I think, learn more through productive struggle than any assignment that they breeze through without difficulty. You know that, right? When you've given your students something and they just breeze through it, check off the boxes and turn it in, the reality is a lot of learning probably didn't take place. But when they struggle with something and they have to ask questions and they have to work through it, that seems to be when the best learning happens. It's the struggle that prepares our learners for reality, helps them identify both their strengths and their weaknesses, and gives them the tools that they're going to need beyond the walls of the classroom. So I think we can encourage productive struggle. Um, I think there's lots of different ways to do that. I, I happen to think the best way to do that is by designing for depth. I talk about this idea often and how important it is that we consider both our snorkelers and our scuba divers in the classroom, right? We have those kids who are ready to go deep 
and and kind of look around and be independent um, and really be challenged. And then we have those snorkelers who are, you know, just barely jumping in the water. I use that analogy because I think that every learner deserves an opportunity to experience the ocean. And in a one size fits all classroom, this is one of those things that's hard to say out loud. But in a one size fits all classroom, many of our learners will never experience struggle. If we're so focused on our struggling learners that we don't intentionally design for our scuba divers, they'll just show up every single day, check off the boxes and never fully engage in the learning. So I think designing for depth provides an opportunity for every learner to engage and be challenged. And so if you want to learn more about this idea, if it's something you're interested in, how do I do that? How do I design for depth? I would love for you to visit my website. So you can just go to andymcnair.com slash design for depth. But again, I'll make sure that that resource is in the show notes as well. So you can check it out. All right. So number three, encourage productive struggle. All right, here we go. Number four, last practical way that I think we can kind of start to look beyond the label and design these experiences that will really push our learners to not just engage, but really invest in the learning. And that's just this idea of creating a culture of willingness. Willingness in the dictionary is defined as the state of being prepared to do something or just readiness. Many times our learners are unwilling to do hard things because they're afraid of failure, right? Or sometimes they just lack the drive that is required to invest. Regardless of a student's label or the labels that exist within our classroom, it's important that we build a culture that encourages a willingness to fail, a willingness to invest, and a willingness to dive deep into what is being learned. I oftentimes think about surfing when I think about the willingness of our learners you never see look i've watched lots of videos recently i go on youtube because i always say if i'm going to make an analogy or i'm going to compare it to something i want to understand that well and i'll be honest i've never surfed before but i will say that when i watch the videos of surfers on youtube or wherever i'm watching it you never see a surfer just like hanging out on their board with their knees locked and their hands by their side instead they're like completely immersed in the experience um, they're constantly challenged. They know they could fall off at any fall off of their board at any time, and they're going to have to be willing to get back on. I think watching surfers on their surfboards, it's a perfect example of what learning should look like. They are completely engaged, and I believe that our learners should be immersed in the experience as they are challenged each and every day. So if you get a chance, just go like any YouTube video, just watching how engaged a surfer is while they're on that surfboard and that willingness to when something goes wrong or when things get hard, they just get right back on the board, but they never know what to expect. They're having to really engage and really stay focused to stay on that board. And I think that that's how our learners should feel and what they should experience every day as they walk into the classroom. In order to accomplish a culture of willingness, the reality is we as educators must model that same willingness to struggle or fail, that same willingness to invest and that willingness to dive deeper. It's so important that our learners see what it looks like to take risks, invest as lifelong learners and dive deep into new experiences and unfamiliar content. That's all about us just being willing to get outside of our comfort zone.
right? To do those things that are hard and maybe don't make sense to us. But if it's going to result in a more meaningful experience for our learners, I think that it's important that we that we make it a reality. So that's it. Four ways to look beyond the label this school year. I'm going to go over them one more time. First of all, we talked about recognizing and valuing both strengths and weaknesses. Number two was reinforce the right things, choosing our words carefully. Encouraging productive struggle for every learner, making that their reality. And then number four, creating a culture of willingness. Um, as we've gone through these, I just want to say that I think it's imperative that we don't allow labels to determine our perspective. This year, let's stay focused on who our learners really are, what they bring to the table, and how we can prepare them academically and for their lives beyond the walls of the classroom. I really believe that when we begin to do these things, our learners will respond with a willingness to invest. So I know this can be a little overwhelming, especially when you get a list of things like do this, do this, try this, try this. So I would encourage you just to pick one, right? Out of these four things, what is something that you want to really, really focus on? And just as a side note, I don't know that I said this when I talked about productive struggle, but I don't think that that should be their reality every day or all the time. I just think it's important that we sprinkle it in, that we sometimes give them that opportunity to do that so they don't get so locked in to things being easy or so locked in to things coming um, without difficulty that we don't begin to give them that opportunity to engage in that productive struggle and gain the valuable pieces of that, if that makes sense. So just a side note there, I wanted to make sure that I said that. Um, so I hope that this school year is amazing for you. If you're just kicking off the school year, I hope that it's a, I just hope there's so many things that we could say are working against us. And there's so many changes that have happened and things are going to be different moving forward. But the reality is our learners still come to school every day hoping to experience something amazing, right? They, so many of them are just looking for a reason to lock in, looking for a reason to want to be there. And, and we don't want to allow labels to keep us from giving that to them. So again, I hope you have a wonderful school year this year. So many exciting things coming up on the podcast. I can't wait to share with you guys and can't wait to kind of dive in. I always say this, but I'm so thankful for the Meaningful Mess community and all that you guys bring to the table. I learn so much from you and the things that you share with me. And I'm just, um, I just want to say thank you for being willing to invest in this community for sure. So, all right, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to learn with me today. I absolutely love this community and enjoy sharing and learning with you. Check out today's episode notes by swapping up in most podcast apps. If you'd like to learn and connect more, you can follow me over on Twitter at McNairAN3, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Meaningful Mess. You can always find tons of resources, inspiration, and information over on my website, andymcnair.com. Be sure to check out my blog, Genius Hour resources, and so much more. 
Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, I hope that today's episode has inspired you to find meaning in your mess.